because when I entered that chapel, I would, I would label myself, probably I'd say I was a curious agnostic. I, I wouldn't label myself an atheist at that point, but I, I definitely wasn't, wasn't a believer yet at that point. And when I left that chapel, I was a zealous missionary disciple. I mean, that, that, that's how drastic that change was. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are power for impact. When a scientist and a devout atheist discovers faith, it's a story worth listening to, worth considering. My guest today is Dan Baylog. He's actually the first guest I'd ever had on the podcast when we launched over two years ago. You know, why would you launch a leadership podcast with a story of transformative faith? Mostly because I believe that you can't be a great leader, or if you're going to be the best leader possible, God's going to want to be involved. He loves us. He helps me be better. (laughs) I love the expression that says, I'm not the man I should be, not the man I ought to be, certainly not the man I want to be, but thanks be to God, I'm better than the man I used to be. And so I think as leaders, that's why God plays a role. He loves us, and he helps me to deal honestly with my shortcomings in such a way that I can grow and I can love better as a husband, as a father, as an employer, as an employee, as a priest. So I hope as we relaunch today's podcast, now that we're on YouTube, if you haven't watched it, you will. And if you've watched it previously, maybe you'll do it again. I pray for you. I'm heading to Our Lady of Guadalupe today. I'm in Mexico. And so I'm going to be praying for, in thanksgiving, for all the people that listen to the podcast that are out there leading and doing everything they can to make a difference in the world. God bless you and enjoy the show. Hey, Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Ron. It's great to be here. (laughs) Listen, tell our audience, tell our listeners three things that maybe your mother doesn't even know about you. My mother doesn't know about me. Um... (laughs) Oh, I, I'm afraid she probably knows everything about me. <laughs> That's a good relationship. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Listen, as we begin to, to, to share our friendship today, and really that's what this is, it's a conversation between two friends to, that uh, just to share some things that I think are really exciting. And you're, you were saying a little bit earlier that you retired from uh, systems engineering, a, a career of almost 30 years. And, and so... Tell me that you've been married for almost that long as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about your journey of, uh, with your with your wife and maybe a bit about your faith story. And... Sure. Um, well, I was born and raised a Catholic. Uh, my parents were Catholic. Their parents were Catholic. So I was baptized uh, as, a, as a baby, as a Catholic. Um, never really uh, had many good experiences with religion in church uh, as a youth. For instance, since I went to public schools, my parents sent me to catechesis every Saturday, which is prime playtime for kids my age. So not only did I, did I find church boring, then Saturday morning I had to go to catechesis. Um, the Monsignor that our church had 
was probably the most cantankerous person I had ever known. He, he was like the last person you would go to for a spiritual guidance. I think everybody was afraid of him, actually. <laughs> and the nuns were equally cranky. Wow. So, so yeah, my initial uh, exposure to religion was unfortunately all negative. So um, I never really took it seriously. Um, when I went to college, I kept going to mass probably just to please my mother. See, I told you she knows everything about me, (laughs) (laughs) including whether I was missing mass. Um, And I guess after uh, graduating college, probably the tipping point or a turning point for me was getting a job at Bell Laboratories. Uh, Bell Laboratories being the shrine of science and reason. This is where the transistor was invented. This is where the laser was invented. This is where the radio astronomy that detected the Big Bang was invented. They detected the radiation for the Big Bang at Bell Labs. Uh, they developed the C language, programming language. C++ was, was being developed when I was there, when I was working there. I think nine Nobel Prizes were rewarded for work done at Bell Labs. So I found myself surrounded by... Uh, I guess I would call them devout evangelical atheists uh, without absolutely any social skills. So I fit perfectly in. <laughs> um, so after that. Well, you paint I, a really neat picture. Like that's <laughs> really neat. I, I didn't know all of that. I can't wait to go to that shrine just to see it. That was a, that's an amazing picture you painted in my head. That's all. Awesome. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Sorry after that. But after that, I kind of just went on uh, atheistic autopilot, I would call it. And somewhere in there, I met uh, Laura. I guess it was uh, 1989 where I, I met her. And I was pleased to hear that, like me, she was a lapsed Catholic. She she no longer went to church. So I said, yes. <laughs> That's my kind of girl. <laughs> yeah, match made in heaven. <laughs> what I say? Um, or not. Um, so for a long time, uh, here we are, we both had high paying jobs. Uh, she eventually was working in New York life insurance in Manhattan and I kept working, uh, in Bell Labs. Uh, so we, and we never had any children, so we did whatever we wanted. Uh, we traveled the world, uh, when we were, before we were in our thirties, I think we had been to probably about 40 countries. Wow. And. And it's interesting, uh, speaking of countries, because, for instance, we we spent uh, two or three weeks in India, and I remember seeing a family, no joke, living in a hole in the ground, and they were happy. They were happy. Hmm. We went to Tanzania, and again, no exaggeration. It sounds like a scene from a movie. We saw people living in straw huts, hunting animals with spears. And they were happy. And it occurred to me that I wasn't. I wasn't happy. And so I think right around there, uh, what was that? Maybe late 90s, um, I started feeling that something was missing in my life. But it definitely wasn't religion. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I made up my mind. It definitely wasn't religion, right? Not after all those experiences I had. So I got into all this stuff, Taoism, Buddhism, Zen, 
uh, I, I get this. I was even learning Mandarin so I could read the Diamond Sutra in its original language. I'm not joking. That's commitment. Yes. <laughs> I did yoga for 10 years. I read the Bhagavad Gita, the Upanishads. Nothing stuck. Nothing stuck. Um, so I, I continued on, uh, on, on autopilot. Uh, I guess after two, uh, 9-11, 2001, uh, it, something, I mean, it hit me again that life is fleeting. Um, I think Laura might have returned to the church right around then uh, and probably stay for a year or two at most. Um, <clears throat> she didn't, uh, she never tried to go uh, get me to go to mass with her. So I was fine with that. She did her thing. I did mine. But then she kind of lapsed a second time and stopped going to church. Um, probably I'd say around uh, 2000, 2013, things really started changing in my life. My godmother, my Aunt Kate, had a massive stroke and spent the last two months in the hospital. <clears throat> While she was in the hospital, my brother was bicycling home from work one day, and he was hit by a car, sent him flying probably 20 yards in the, in the, in the air, and he wasn't wearing a helmet. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so he was... He was brain damaged permanently after that. When After that happened, when my father found out about that, he suffered a massive heart attack and died. Uh, the last image I have of him is um, struggling to breathe on a ventilator uh, in the hospital. Uh, this um, maelstrom of tragedy was just kind of a wake-up call to me in 2013. So... I started taking things a little more seriously at that point. But again, still on autopilot. Uh, next year, Laura's mother died. Uh, now, this was the turning point. Her father had died a few years earlier. Turning point for her because she returned to the church after her mom died. And she stayed there. That was it. Why did she return? <clears throat> she... Um, she had gone to our local church to arrange for a sort of some kind of miniature funeral service in the funeral home, not, not a big scale funeral inside a church. <clears throat> and there she met a priest who was very welcoming, very friendly, even though she had not been a parishioner. He actually came to the funeral home, did a beautiful service for her mom and his generosity and his ebullience attracted her to the church so she returned to the church and she started doing more and more things for the church so for a while i was like well this is fine <clears throat> she goes to church gives me more time to do my stuff at home <laughs> you know <laughs> with, with, which had, me yeah <laughs> which had nothing to do with church uh, obviously <laughs> but then she started getting really religious uh -oh. really religious yeah she started inviting me to mass every every weekend, and of course, I <clears throat> I just kept declining. She started inviting me to church barbecues, church functions. I was thinking to myself, "How am I going to get out of this?" <laughs> I, I mean, she she was I'm feeling very... your tension right now as you're telling yes. me the story. I'm feeling your tension. Yeah, well, she she got to the point. Well. You, 
be, I mean, when she had returned to the church for a year earlier, she, she had not gotten this religious, but now, uh, starting somewhere around 2014, she started having thoughts, for instance, where she was worried that when I died and when she died, she would spend an eternity without me. And here I was thinking, look, I, I don't even know. I don't even understand how anybody could spend like 10 minutes with me, you know? So here she is <laughs> worried about this. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of took it in stride. Nah, that's okay. You, you go to church. I'll do my own thing. Now, <clears throat> things really got, uh, got trying for me a few years after that, when she, believe it or not, enrolled in an evangelization program at Seton Hall University. <laughs> oh, now I'm feeling really bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So he, a wild. This is, this is a great story. Keep going. Well, imagine it, here I am an atheist and I am married to a woman who is majoring in Christian evangelization. <laughs> okay. Can someone shoot me now? <laughs> There's people listening right now going, that's my story. I know I feel. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope I'm not the only one. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, I mean, she, so she's taking this evangelization um, program. She's telling me that her her prayer group at New York Life, she's got a prayer group. They're praying for my soul. She tells me they're praying for my soul. I think I rolled my eyes so hard. I strained the ligaments. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, and then she and then she starts saying, you got to watch videos by this guy, Robert Barron. Robert Barron. I, I don't know who Robert Barron is. Okay, sure. I'll watch his videos one day, whatever. So I, I started really thinking, how am I going to get out of this? Yeah. <laughs> seriously i i was thinking is this like is this gonna like draw us apart you know because she's getting really religious and 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 i'm not you know legitimate fear isn't it it, it is woman and she loves you exactly and and it's almost like we had separate lives that were becoming even more separate um but another turning point 2018 uh my brother uh jimmy who had eventually come out of the coma, um, he died. He died from a heart attack. And uh, I took it hard. Uh, I cried really hard. Uh, and Laura backed off. She backed off. And and she kind of gave me a respite from come to church, come to church, come to church. And I took advantage of that respite. Being an engineer, I put on my white lab coat, got on my clipboard, and I analyzed how happy she was because it always bothered me you know going back to indian and tanzania she was happy and and i wasn't at least i don't think i was um so i want i saw how happy she was at church volunteering and this and that so sometime in 2019 i relented and i watched one of these videos by this guy named robert Barron. <laughs> And I did it to please Laura. Sure. I did it to please Laura. And you know what? I loved it. <laughs> this guy, this guy made sense. It, he wasn't this Monsignor from my childhood that people were afraid to go to. Mm. He made sense. He was very smart. He was my generation. Uh, and it reminds me of this T.S. Eliot quote. 
about um, you shall nev never cease from uh, from exploration, and and in the end of all the exploration will be returned to where you started and know the place for the first time. Yes. So, so all this stuff these cranky nuns were teaching me, you know, when I was ten or eleven, I'm hearing it from this cool guy, and I started watching Robert Barrett videos when Laura wasn't even there. <laughs> I I think I ended watching everything he ever recorded on video. Wow. And I and I I spent a lot of money getting a lot of his DVDs and Blu-rays that weren't weren't available on YouTube. So that was the turning point. Uh so I so Laura and I are avid hikers and we would go hiking and we still go hiking almost every weekend. And when she had enrolled in the evangelization program, she would bring up things that she was learning okay and watching the uh bishop baron videos and hearing what she had learned i started I, I always had a philosophical bent and i enjoyed the philosophical discussions i was still an atheist but i would like um, challenge her she would give me reasonable answers um i would challenge her about things that Robert Barron said in the videos and she would give me uh, answers that she was learning in her evangelization uh, courses. So it, it was pleasant. It was actually pleasant, uh, the conversations. Some were, um, so we're like in probably May 2019. Shortly after that, probably late summer 2019, she was so fed up with her job at New York Life that she started looking for church jobs around. And I encouraged her. By, by this time, um, we sort of had our own lives. I, I, I wasn't all in on going back to church or anything like that, but I liked how happy she was, and I wanted her to be happy. It's neat so, about that, too, as you're saying, Dan. I'm thinking, because at one point as you're sharing your story, it was like, oh gosh, is this going to be the thing that pulls us apart? Because I, right. you guys loved each other. You spent a lot of time together doing some yeah. really fun things, making some memories. And all of a sudden, this new thing is introduced that feels like it could pull you apart. But while being an atheist, it, it's kind of neat. What I'm hearing is you, you began to just explore on a philosophical level what these things were. And so then you could engage again. So it sounds like at that point, it was no longer a threat. It was no longer pulling you apart. You could both engage and enjoy each other. But not exactly. be somebody you weren't. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. It, had she invited me to church, I would have said no, thanks. But having the philosophical discussions, yeah, that was fine. I started enjoying them. Yeah. I, I, I really did. Yeah. Um, so she, she actually, um, she was checking the job posts for jobs, and I remember we were coming back from one hike, and she saw an ad uh, in Notre Dame and Mount Carmel, uh, just uh, like four miles from our house for director of faith formation and she read the description to me and I said go for it and she she went to apply she was on one of these websites and she clicked like submit or whatever and she says oh it's no longer there it's not posted there anymore I got the email but it wasn't there anymore by the time she clicked on the link so I said go find it on another one of these websites and she found it on another website I was encouraging her she was ready to just like throw it you know just go on to the next opportunity and she ended up getting the job at at New at the not New York Life, the uh, Notre Dame about Carmel, uh, and I was so happy for her. She took a sixty-seven two-thirds uh, pay cut. 
to go and work in this church. And I was delighted because I knew that she was going to be happy. But what happened once that started, (laughs) once that started, the staff started saying, where's your husband? (laughs) (laughs) We saw you you see you at mass every Sunday. Why doesn't your husband come? (laughs) The assumptions people make. Yes. (laughs) We want to be your husband. (laughs) So it's like, no, it's okay. <laughs> That's okay. And no barbecues yet. I guess it was maybe like late September by then. And I said, no, no, it's okay. Yeah. So after, I don't know what did it, but after about 30 years of uh, re- um, invitations to mass being rejected by me, I finally said, okay, okay, I'll go to mass. I have it written down somewhere, somewhere, the exact date. Um, September 29th, 2019. Huh. First time I went back to mass in over 30 years and I was blown away by the hospitality. Now I had been observing Laura for months, how happy she was with this religion thing. Yes. When I walked in that church, I, this is before COVID. I probably hugged 12 people I never met (laughs) and I could feel the love in their hug and probably talk to 12 other strangers that I never, never met before. And I just felt this love. Now, did they hug every stranger or was it just because you were Laura's husband? Cause that would be a little weird. I, 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 like, cause I could just hear people who don't go to church. I'm not going to that church. I'm not a hugger. Like what? Yeah. I think it was because I was Laura's husband. Okay, just check it. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it was. I, I, I think I'm rewinding now. It was mostly, oh, hey, uh, Julie, meet my husband Dan. I was, hi, Julie, nice to meet you. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. But you know, the, the observing how happy she was, and then observing how happy they were, I started thinking, you know, maybe there is something to this religion thing, you know. So I felt that strong sense of community. And I loved my first mass in over 30 years. Did you? Yes. Yeah. And Father Patty, um, the pastor of Notre Dame, I remember I was sitting in the pew with Laura waiting for the mass to start. And he was up on the altar adjusting something, the readings. And he saw me and he made a beeline right for me. And I stood up to shake his hand and he opened his mouth. And I thought, oh, my God. The, the pastor here is Barry Fitzgerald from Going My Way. Unbelievable. <laughs> With that beautiful Irish brogue, that accent. <laughs> but, awesome guy. Yeah, he really is. Uh, one wonderful experience after another. So as we we're leaving uh, Mass, I said to Laura, I think I'll go back. I'll, I'll come back next week as well. And the next week, and the next week, and the next week, and the, the the dominoes started falling at that point. I went back to confession uh, for the first time in over 30 years. My penance was one month long. <laughs> the priest gave me a penance, which lasted one month. I kid you not. <laughs> I started receiving Holy Communion again, uh, so on and so forth. But, you know, I wasn't all in. I still wasn't all in. My, my scientific engineering brain still had questions about the existence of God. 
I, I think I was going back for the sense of community, which I loved, right? And sort of going through the motions. But then uh, another turning point in my life, Laura invited me to Alpha. Alpha. And when I first heard, she says, why don't we take Alpha together? And I said, Alpha? It sounds like dog food. <laughs> what, why do you want to take Alpha with me? What so is said, Alpha? Yeah. yeah, so so she explained it to me. So she said, um, you know, you, you, you watch these uh, Christian videos and then you, you talk about it with people. And my reaction was, you know, maybe that's not so bad. You know, it, it's sort of like watching Robert Barron videos and that I could... Yeah. And I could talk to talk to people about him. So, you know, I said, let's do it. And, and uh, you know, initially I resisted, but uh, I ended up really starting to enjoy it and really gro growing much closer uh, to the people who were strangers at session one. Nice. And by like uh, session 12, it's like, oh, my God, you know, it's like, I'm going to miss you guys so much. I'm still friends with everybody that, that was uh, in my um, on my alpha table. The turning point, though was the Alpha Retreat. And that was November 2nd, 2019. Now, we, we remember all these dates, right? Okay. In the morning, um, in our in our breakout room, the, the table host posed the question, when was the first time you felt the love of God? And I froze. I froze. Because I had never felt it. Never. Jeez. Uh, how could I have? I was an atheist almost my entire life. So I ran out the clock before they got to me. <laughs> I did. I didn't want to answer the question. I, I asked follow-up questions to everybody, and we wow. ran out of time. <laughs> and you're killing me. That is a very, very strategic move. Well done. Yep. I didn't have to answer the question. So I said, oh, good. Let's move on to the next topic of the weekend, whatever that was. 4.30 p.m. The entire Alpha congregation meets inside the church for this prayer ministry. Now, they, they didn't give a lot of information. They didn't give a lot of detail because they knew I would have been out the back door. <laughs> so I'm sitting there in the church, and I'm seeing all the, all the all of my Alpha friends go up uh, to our prayer station. And they had prayer stations set, uh, set up around the perimeter of the church. Ours was set inside the chapel. There's a chapel up to the side. Um, I was so skeptical that I let everyone in the entire church go first. <laughs> go ahead. You want to go? Go ahead. You want to go? No problem. Yeah, I know you got here an hour after me. Go ahead. It's very hospitable of you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if like, you know, deep down I was hoping they would run out of time. <laughs> or the other time. We're <laughs> trying to run out about the clock again. <laughs> But my Alpha team was so hospitable that they actually made time for me. So my time had come up. I had to get up out of the pew, walk the 20 feet over to the chapel. I sat down. We joined hands. I closed my eyes, and they started praying. And then something really strange happened. I started sobbing, crying like I had, hadn't cried for a long time and I cried for like 10 minutes wow and I felt feelings of euphoria mixed with guilt joy mixed with remorse 
And, and when it was all over, I had this profound sense of peace that I had never felt before. Never. Now, I, I didn't know it at that point, but in hindsight, I, 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 I just found it amazing that early, earlier that day, I had fro frozen when someone asked the group, when was the first time you felt the love of God? And I ran the clock out. God gave me that gift right there in the chapel. And and now when I look when I look back at that, that twenty feet from the pew where I was sitting to the chapel, that was my road to Damascus. Because when I entered that chapel, I would I would label myself probably I'd say I was a curious agnostic. I, I wouldn't label myself an atheist at that point, but I, I definitely wasn't wasn't a believer yet at that point. And when I left that chapel, I was a zealous missionary disciple. I mean, that, that, that's how drastic that change was that happened in, in the chapel. Yeah. I just, goosebumps just went like a wave right over my whole body oh. as I'm listening to you. They're still there. Like, it just gives me chills. It, it, it's such a beautiful description of your experience. And, and I'm just so happy for that. I, I remember because when, when your wife got that job, I was coaching that church, and that yeah. church was one of the first churches in the the coaching network. Yeah. And I remember when she was hired, how excited everybody was, and I didn't know your story. She, you know, we didn't talk about you. You're right. Uh, right. And she was on the leadership team, so I got to know her quite well. And then, and then the excitement started to build. Hey, Laura's husband is taking Alpha, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, isn't that lovely? Like, <laughs> but. But they were really pulling for you. And then when it was over, I had to meet you. They were so excited. Like your your transformation, that, that that experience, the amount of hope that poured into everyone in that leadership team was remarkable. Wow. You know, I didn't know that. Oh that, my that's, that's wonderful to hear. Really did. Like it really did. And I had to meet you because your that experience you had they felt that wave come over them too like it was such a moment of hope and and awe and wonder it's a miracle really yeah yeah i like, think so yeah but people experience the love of god because you can't fabricate it yeah yeah i i know and man that changed me boy was i transformed i mean i let, let's put it this way i avoided the church for like 35 years I think the church started avoiding me. <laughs> it's like, here comes Dan again with another idea. You know, I, I, I said, we got to take Alpha to prisons. And they're like, huh? <laughs> and I'm making PowerPoint presentations. And I joined the hospitality committee. And I took men's cornerstone. And uh, I, I, I did things for the marriage ministry. And it, it, like anything, I was helping uh, Christina uh, uh, update the website. <laughs> and things like that. And, and of course, I, I wanted to be an alpha team member. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's like I, I you couldn't stop me. Um, and and uh, and what happened was that the, the next alpha, of course, I was on the team. I said, I, I got to be on the team. <laughs> got to be on the team. And this was uh, 2020 this year. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was February. And we did two sessions in person. And then COVID arrived and it put everything on hold, everything. Actually, so, 
so if I could back up just before that, I think it was, yeah, it was February, February. Um, the church asked me if I could give my alpha witness at all five weekend masses in the church from the altar during the homily after Father Patty <laughs> addressed or introduced me. So I was like, oh, I don't know about this. With that, now I was very shy. I, I, I've always been an introvert. Uh, with an aversion of public speaking, sure. really a total aversion of public speaking, but I did it. I said, I'll do it. Mm. And let me tell you, it was the one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. Probably the accomplishment for, uh, of which I am most proud five masses in a row, one Saturday and then four Sunday, uh, giving my alpha witness. And it, it was so rewarding. I still get people walking up to me saying, I remember when you gave that talk in February and how inspirational you were. So that's the thing that inspires me, and and that I think that's what drives me. I want I, I described my twenty foot walk from the pew to the chapel as my road to Damascus. I want to take as many people on that road to Damascus as possible. So when COVID struck, of course I went to the church staff and said, "We got to take this online. Got to take this online." And they were dealing with all these problems, all these emergencies of Alpha. It's like, yeah, 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 we'll talk about it. Um, and then, then you know, a few weeks later, I, I go back again. we got to bring this online. I'll do the whole thing myself, no problem. Wow. And and they were saying, they had their doubts. I mean, and, you know, I, I so did I. You know, I didn't know how the Alpha weekend would work. Right. But I was saying, we're not going to know unless we try, you know. And But they were still busy. With all of these uh, COVID emergencies, people were getting COVID, and you got to inform the parish and this and that. Uh, it got to the point where I felt I was beating a dead horse. Uh, like uh, I, I, I hope I wasn't annoying them. They never get, gave me the impression I was, but I just kept at it, uh, persisting. And eventually, I guess it was uh, somewhere around May, uh, after about two two and a half months of persistence, they gave me the, the thumbs up. Okay, take Alpha online. Uh, we established the virtual Alpha ministry. I became the lead of the virtual Alpha ministry. I had been a member of the parish for three months. <laughs> so you had plenty of experience. <laughs> plenty of experience. I was an Alpha guest three months before that. <laughs> I, we, I, I, um, Oh. They, they, they asked me to name, uh, pick someone to help me. I picked my friend Christy, yeah. Christy Souter, to help me uh, as, as the co-leads. So we're both co-leading it now. We ha I had a team of 15 for the first uh, virtual alpha. It, it ran really well. Uh, the church staff, even one person, Jean, uh, I think she messaged you. And she said that the, the prayer uh, alpha retreat was by far the most profound and rewarding she's ever had. <laughs> and and she had done, I think, four previously uh, in the parish hall. Uh, we're now getting ready to finish our second one. The The last uh, session is this Thursday, and we ha already have the dates for the third one. And so, yes. That's awesome. So I, I brought like 60 people uh, in the first two, 60 people on my road to Damascus. We'll see in March uh, what happens. I have also led the prayer course online. Um, I did it before the first virtual alpha as a test case to show that we can do virtual alpha because the prayer course, Pete Bregg, 
uh, he developed that course. It's a lot like Alpha. It's nice. eight, eight videos, eight weeks, and breakout rooms with discussions and work really well. I guess I had over 40 people on the first one then, and then did it again like uh, um, just a month or so ago, had another over 30 people. So let, let, me, let me tell you this. Nothing, nothing I have done for money my entire career has been as rewarding for all this that I'm doing for free. And I just want to do more and more and more. <laughs> oh, wow. That just makes my day. I think about, I remember being in a talk with Father James one time, and um, we were at an event where we were being trained, actually, in some coaching, and it was an evening event, so James, Father James could talk, and, and we're in that room, and he gave his presentation, and then there's some questions, and some people were saying, yeah, but you know, we think we just need to spend another year or two, you know, catechizing people, making sure we give them the right courses, then they'll be ready to go out. And and you tell me that 20-foot walk, you went in as a curious agnostic and you came out a missionary disciple. And that's what we try to share with people is that it isn't, I don't know that you catechize your way to transformation. Like, right. Right? Like, you had a transformation because you had an encounter with the love of God. Yeah. Wow. And then instantly, yeah, you're given a mission by the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. It, it, it's it's not like in the chapel. I was thinking, okay, the Holy Trinity is moved <laughs> to this to this, and Saint Thomas Aquinas said this about yeah. it. No, it wasn't right. that at all, man. It was like, boom. Oh man, <laughs> what just happened? Right. And my guess is it makes the the learning of these other things that much more enjoyable because now you're passionate about the very thing with which you're learning about, yes. the very person with which you're learning. Yes. It's, it's like I fell in love and now I want to know as much as I can about that person, yes. you know, but it, the falling in love came first. And and I tell people, you know, there's a, the Buddhists. Buddhists say that uh, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yeah. And I was a very slow student. <laughs> very slow. But I had the most patient teacher in the world was always there waiting for me my entire life. So yeah, you can't you can't learn to get to that point. No. Nothing could have taught me. No. Nothing could have taught me. I, I <clears throat> go ahead. I, I'm just curious, what was that? Because, like, you know, you said back in, I think it was 2013 when Laura went back, you know, and, and stayed back. And then, of course, she took that course and then she, she be, be, became more engaged in her faith. And, and then all of a sudden had people praying for you. What was it like for her? I, I, I watched it happen. But what was it like for her? How did she describe that for you? Like she was already happy. How happy was she when the person that she loves and spends her whole life with? came to that like what was that like uh you mean after my transracial experience yeah for her oh she, I, I i think i think at first she wasn't quite sure what had happened <laughs> it, 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 it I, I like she turned into me for a minute there right she she got her white lab coat on and her <laughs> clipboard and she wanted to observe me for a while <laughs> <laughs> to see this, if this were legitimate yes. and and it's like well you know honestly i i wasn't sure what happened and and mm -hmm. and you can say well you know it could have been 
the burritos I had for lunch, you know, be before, uh, before the prayer ministry. But why have I done all I've done since February? Why have I done all this? And, and I just want to do more and more and more. And if you, if you looked at me a year ago, I wasn't doing any of this. I, I didn't want to have anything to do with this. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, if we try to uh, scientifically explain it, I, I think we're going to come up short, but, um, but, but Laura, I think it, it's, it started gradually sinking in that I was, I was all in finally, mm -hmm. I was going to church. Um, uh, I was introducing Laura to people that I met in church. Your friend. <laughs> Uh, hey, hey, you're the you're the alpha guy, right? Yeah, me, my wife, Laura. She's director of faith formation. <laughs> so it's like, it's like the the roles were reversed for a while there. It, it, it's like you know she she was way ahead of me for years, and then I, I like zoomed way ahead of her for a while, and then she's like gradually caught up to me, and that we're kind of like finally like together, you know, moving together. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think it was, uh, you'd have to ask her, but I, I think she was, um, w w when she realized that it was real, she she was extremely happy, extremely happy. And she still talks about it. Yeah. We, we, had, we had dinner with a friend just Friday and, and she said, you know, when, when, when Dan was an atheist, I was, uh, uh, when I was going to church and people were saying, uh, oh, I did the rosary with my husband uh laura was saying things like oh i wish i could do that with dan you know it, but it's not going to happen that kind of thing mm -hmm. and what, what what what's going on now i say the rosary every day sometimes in english and then in spanish and i can't tell you the last time laura said it <laughs> <laughs> so now i'm like now you're praying for her <laughs> yeah i i wish i had a wife who would say the rosary with me <laughs> Oh, you crack me up. That is awesome. That is so great. Well, you know, it's been it's been so wonderful watching that happen. And I think about all the people, you know, you know, how often is there a, a Dan experience in an alpha? It happens. It happens almost every season. Not every season, but almost every season. And then there's the people that, you know, don't have that road to Damascus experience necessarily. But yet the fruit is the same. You know, you look exactly. six months later and their priorities have changed. They've softened. They're j more joyful. Uh, they're more peaceful. But yes. they didn't, they couldn't necessarily articulate it with the same dates and encounter that you have. And, and I think both are equally legitimate. Mm -hmm. Isn't that the truth? Absolutely. And Absolutely. I know some people sometimes feel ripped off, like I took Alpha. Yeah. I heard all these things about it. I heard about the weekend. I was open in my heart. I did ask, and it didn't happen to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember this beautiful lady named Bev who shared that very story with me. And then several months later, Father James gave a homily about the fruits of the Spirit. Because when we do, when we are, when we earnestly invite Jesus in, when we say yes to the Holy Spirit, He comes. Mm -hmm. And you may or may not be able to articulate that. However, the fruits of the spirit will begin to manifest themselves in your life later on down the road. Absolutely. And if you're not sure, just ask your spouse. Yes, absolutely. Uh, what I tell uh, the team before every prayer ministry session now in Alpha is 
let's be instruments of God in planting the seed. And don't worry if you don't have a green thumb, because once you plant the seed, it's in God's hands. So don't worry, right? (laughs) Something might happen in five minutes. Something might happen in five years. Something might happen. You'll never even hear about it. Yes. So um, we are doing the most valuable work, I think, in planting those seeds and and letting God uh, do the rest. And it's such a treat. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I did watch, and is it still on your website? At the it is, yeah. It is. So I'll put that in the show notes so people can can go and watch because I did watch that because of your wife and the leadership team. And you gotta watch them, and I did, and I just thought this is fantastic. It's such a great story. But I want to thank you. I want to thank you for so beautifully articulating your experience. I want to thank you for what you are doing when things aren't easy to lead. Churches aren't easy to lead in this season, and and you're bringing solutions. You're taking a leadership role because you're so. The spirit is palpable in you. Yeah. Your joy is is complete. I, you know, Jesus wanted his joy. He wanted us to have it so that it may be complete. And I look at you and I hear you and I watch you and I think your joy is complete. It, it's the Holy Spirit. Man, man, I'm just an instrument of the Holy Spirit that he's using. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and he hasn't failed me yet. Amen. So yeah. if, what advice would you have if you were to give a tip or two to to people that may or may not have uh, been running Alpha in their church or maybe struggling with it because it doesn't come from a Catholic background or or whatever their hesitations might be? What what advice would you have for them? Oh, my, first of all, my advice is that Alpha um, Alpha is not Catholic, but it is Christian. Uh, it's not anti-Catholic by any means, so it's Christian. Um, and look, hey, I was an atheist, right? <laughs> and and I was I was really transformed by my by my experience with Alpha. Uh, and uh, I guess the second piece of advice during COVID is take it online, take it online, man, and and start on a small scale. You know, it, 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 we have had an Alpha with probably with team and um, guests probably about. 60 for the first one and maybe 70 for the second one uh is that right maybe i get the numbers a little wrong but they're they're large-scale alphas start small if if you have concerns that a large-scale alpha is not going to work find one or two other people to be on your team and then go and invite six people so you'll have six guests and three team members you don't need breakout rooms you just do it and it's very flexible that way too uh, you don't have to do it the same day every week. You could do it in the morning some days. You could skip one week. You could do two sessions in one week. Um, if if you miss a session the previous week, it's very flexible. And then you'll prove to yourself that you can do it. You could yeah. do it on a on a larger scale. So don't let don't let fear of the unknown uh, prevent you from doing it, um, because uh, you can do it. It's love possible. it. And what would you say to the Lauras out there, uh, the spouses, male or female, who are engaged in their faith and, and just longing for their spouse? What would you say to them? I would say never give up. Never give up. Uh, with faith, you can move mountains. And Laura, uh, with her her persistence, 
and her concern for me never gave up on me and moved me. So don't ever give up on your spouse. What advice would you have for the Dans out there that have been pushing their spouse away? And what would you say to them? Watch Robert Barron videos. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> There's worse things they could do. That man is ridiculously smart, very logical, and just compelling as the day is long. Dan, yeah. thank you so much for spending this time with us on the podcast. You're an absolute treat. Oh, thank you, Ron. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. God bless. Thank you. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.